0: florida to texas texas something like that texas i'd have to look in the chat but grant's not here so just jay and i and what we're going to do today is kind of close out 2022 talk about all the crazy things that happened i think in 2022 a lot happened and then look forward at 2023 so jay 2022 when you look back What's bigger? And I'm gonna give you three options. Let's, okay. let's do it. Let's go. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. What's bigger for you? Oh, I'll give you four options. Okay. What's bigger for you? Doquan and terra luna. Ooh. Them boys on the YouTube. What's up, George Pate? What's up? George? Okay, so what's bigger? George, you can please please also message in here. What's bigger? Doquan and Terra Luna. The ETH 2.0 or the ETH merge. Ooh. SBF and FTX and the foundation and the creation of Not Crypto Bros. Which one's bigger?
1: (laughs) Not Crypto Bros, of course. I think that
0: one's the biggest. All right, now that that's out of the way, out of the other three, (laughs) which one do you think is going to be the one that's, like, most talked about? Like, in 10 years, when people look back in 2022, out of those other three, which one do you think?
1: It's going to be SBF, number one, then Terra Luna, then... What was this, the third one that you said?
0: You think both of those take out the ETH merge?
1: Yeah. Because nothing has come off the ETH merge this year. We know that it happened, but what else is there?
0: George Pate says not crypto not, bros. Exactly. Duh bros are the B R O Z. I like that a lot. So <laughs> exactly. okay, so you, you basically think the scandals will out like the the yeah, the scandals will outweigh the more positive or technical leap. Within the space,
1: yeah, I think that whatever positive results happen as a result of the ETH merge aren't going to happen for at least a couple more months. It won't be realized for at least a couple more months. Tristan says it's the birth of the social wedge platform. Do you know social wedge? I don't. No, this one that's new to me too. I'm going to look it up.
0: Yeah, Tristan, please please feel free to add a little bit more in there. Also, the crazy thing about Tristan, Tristan and George commenting is they have almost the identical same picture. So I thought it was the same okay. person. Uh, George says ETH merge is like Brexit. How is it like Brexit? Go, because it went from like proof of work to proof of stake. Like Speak on that more because I love to draw... Uh, similarities between the uh, the geopolitical world and the crypto world. And Brian says, "GM, gentlemen, Brian, What's you're saying Brian? GM. I thought you were on the Northern Caribbean, aka in the UK, but maybe you're not. <laughs>
1: what, what, what is that? What we call the UK? The <laughs> that's Northern that's what I've
0: referred to it as on Boys in the Ball is <laughs> the Northern Caribbean. Um, a lot less sun, uh, a lot less. I don't know. I feel like Brits are really like." The opposite of caribbeans as far as like attitude you know like every day is like oh uh, it's a lot of negativity <laughs> and i i take that strictly off of watching like english football now for 20 years and engaging with people about anything that should be optimistic about <laughs>
1: gotcha gotcha football is kind of pessimistic i'm, I'm with you on that George yeah. says because no one cares
0: the social wedge because no one cares okay okay i see that i see that i see that, no, that it's a universal salutation
1: much. Yeah,
0: that's what George. Uh, that's that's what Brian says. He's totally right. You can use GM in any context at any hour of the day. Very True. very good. <laughs> Do you want to clarify Tristan Tristan's comment here?
1: Oh, that was the joke we made about Jay calling the fall of Coinbase stock and the social parameters behind it about three months ago, the social wedge platform. I don't. I I remember us talking about Coinbase stock and stuff. I don't remember the social wage platform. Tristan has a pretty good memory, man. Tristan, happy to have you on board, buddy. You should be like the historian of the bunch or something. The, exactly, oh, he's ar- the not the
0: bros historian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Okay, so you got? Did you say SBF or Doquan? Which one SPF, was SBF?
1: Then Doquan, Then the then merge. the merge. I, and actually, if I could throw in a fourth one, I'd yeah, say it, do. it would be like all the hype around NFTs that. We we got a that that was pretty big this year I think.
0: That has been huge. I mean, 2020 is where many NFT projects first minted. A lot of them didn't rise to prominence. Excuse me. When did actually? I'm sorry. I think Apes. I think Apes minted in May of 2021, which is 21. crazy. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's 21. And then like CryptoPunks and those guys. They, those were before me from even before that, right? Real yeah, CryptoPunks is OG.
0: CryptoPunks is 2017. CryptoKitties is even before that. And mm. so okay, so Bored Ape Yacht Club is only like a year and a half old, but it's already multi-billion dollar kind of brand. And even now in the doldrums of the crypto winter, it's still a big deal. So I think you're right. I think some of the NFT craze that happened, some of the hype, some of the pump and dumps, some of the scams. There's so many scams out there with NFTs, it's actually hard to keep track. I was watching Coffeezilla. Do you ever watch him on YouTube?
1: Yeah, I do. It's it's pretty cool. I
0: I don't actually know if he has any like real life friends because of the amount of content that he pumps out. He doesn't have a team. It's just him. Oh, yeah. It's not like Mr. Beast who has like a crew. You know. Yeah. Anyway, he was talking about the Logan Paul scam with his NFT. Did you hear about this? I.
1: Just a little bit. And I think the, the place that I heard it from was CoffeeZilla. But when I heard him talking about it, I thought like, oh, is this real? I didn't even know Logan Paul was was into crypto. Like, what is that?
0: I, I didn't know either. And you we may have watched the same video. But basically, Logan Paul had an NFT that he was going to drop. And I can't even remember the name of the project. If you want to look it up, I can look it up too. But in this project, there was a scam within a scam. Because basically, when you look at all of the big scams. When we talk about the Terra Looney, we have Doquan and you're looking at FTX, you have SBF. They're based on like one, there was just like one or two people that were probably lying all the time and we just didn't know it, right? Like there were people that were fraudulent in the sense that they were always moving in the shadows within secrets. And within the Logan Paul NFT fiasco, their dev was this guy and like CoffeeZilla talks about him at length who says he went to MIT, he never went to MIT, says he coded for the CIA, never coded for the CIA. He basically, thank you so much, Kristen, CryptoZoo. And thank you, shout out to Kristen, the, the NFT historian as well. And basically this guy talked himself into certain rooms and into certain circles and everyone just like, oh yeah, I said he's okay. You know, Like Jay, I would like to believe that if I introduced you to a dev, you'd probably say, okay, Jared believes him, he's worked with him in the past. I'm going to believe him. Right. And then you're going to work with that guy. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's okay. But then, or maybe you don't even work with him, but you know about him. And then you recommend that person to Brian. And now you and Brian, maybe have never met, but there's some kind of like an understanding. And anyways, I think that that's what happened with this guy. He was able to just lie enough and then get as many degrees of Kevin Bacon away from like people that actually could read through it. And We live in a world where someone says they go to MIT and they're a coder and they say they work for CIA. You're not going to like fact check them. I don't know. It's weird. Anyways, the dev on CryptoZoo essentially was the one that kind of did the rug and left everyone high and dry. There's a lot more there, but it was definitely the year of the NFT rug, the NFT scam. And I put out a podcast on more than blockchain. Shout that out. Go check that out. More than blockchain.xyz back in May. And I said 99% of these things are going to zero. And I got a lot of flack for that. I got a lot of flack from people who I know have NFT projects. And since their NFT projects have essentially just flatlined. Um, I think if you created a community out of nothing and you didn't monetize a community you already had, it's so tough to keep hype and keep energies high Um And, and so anyway, that's my, that was kind of like my, my thing on NFTs, but for NFTs, what were things besides the scams? Or if you want to talk about the scams too, what were things that you think made it monumental And that in 10 years, when we look back, we're like, oh, that was, that was 2022. Ooh, Trump Uh, NFT. Feel free to pick up on that.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That, that was amazing. Uh, how much How much money did they raise? Do you remember? It was what $100 for NFT
0: 4.5 million because he sold $45,000 at $100 in one day. So, in one day, he got 4.5 million from his followers or people that decided to buy the NFT.
1: Yeah, there, there were a lot of crazy NFTs, and I think it speaks to uh, one like the whole like speculation of it of you know, just people. T- trying to invest in something that that hopefully brings them some income and maybe even makes them rich. But then I think it's also like people looking for something new. Like uh, after all that time of sitting at home during the pandemic, you know, you just wanted something different, right? You wanted to embrace the, the technology and show that you're on the cutting edge. And so you see, you saw a lot of regular people getting involved, but then you also saw a lot of companies getting involved as well, right? And there were scams from individuals, but they also scammed some companies and some high-profile people. Logan Paul, like you said, but there were NBA players. There were rappers who, who, who rugged their communities. Um, Miss Universe rugged its community, you know? Like I, I remember know. that. That was, yeah. was for millions of dollars, too. Yeah. Steve Harvey was in the commercials and stuff, and then they just sort of disappeared. Uh, there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened Um some people got hurt, you know, probably a lot of people got hurt, but I think in the end, we're, as a community, we're probably stronger for it. It's similar to like what happened during the ICO boom and bust, where afterwards we all sort of learned the lesson like that, or we're not messing with the feds anymore. We're going <laughs> to, we're not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> so same yeah. thing here, I think.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I, you know, thinking about it, comparing it to the ICO bust, because The ICOs bloom early 2017. They go into the top of the 2017. By 2018, everything cools. In 2019, everything's back to kind of a zombie. And that's where I do think 2023 is going to be kind of, I've been calling it a zombie year. The funny thing about, you know, if your project didn't rug, if it didn't cease to exist overnight, then I know that we, the market cap's gone up to about 3.5 trillion, and now it's down to about 800 billion. So We're about 75% down on the overall market cap in crypto. Mm -hmm. Now, some of those projects are going to be tied to Ethereum that's lost or Bitcoin that's lost or other coins that literally cease to exist like Terra Luna or FTT. But there's still a lot of people out there that haven't sold and that are still holding on. And I think at least with this group of people that came into crypto, and then I want to get to Brian's comment. Mm -hmm. The story in my head, and I feel like I've seen some on-chain data from, uh, from Wu who talked about this, is basically like, More people came in this year knowing that this thing is crazy, that this is volatile and that, yeah, you're going to make a lot of money, but you're also going to lose a lot of money in the short term. But in the long term, if you hold on and you choose a good project and you're not just gambling and being sucked into something that, uh, I mean, I lost money this year, big time in Wonderland. First one to talk about it. Yeah, lost money. Um, but as long as you're not in a project that's going to implode and go away and you can hold on to your coins and you've bought something that has utility and you're hopefully looking at something that has a finite re- amount of uh, of coins or tokens, I think, you know, by 2025, 2026, you should be in a better position. Um, Brian says, exploits on DeFi, smart contracts and bridges, 100%. How many were over 100 million, half a dozen? I was in on wonderland. And the funny story, Brian, is that is actually how not crypto bros happen in many ways because i was on youtube yes. a- and i saw i saw a video well first of all let me back up this is something you should never do also if you ever want to, if you do want to listen to me again that's fine but i was on tiktok and i watched a video and i was like oh that looks kind of fun i'll put 50 bucks in it whatever and it was about wonderland and then i went on youtube to find out more information and i ran to this guy who was super excited loves wonderland just loving life, Mr. Gratitude. And he was talking about Wonderland. I'm like, who's this? Who's this joker? So I have him on more than blockchain. He came on episode 12 and he also just came on uh, episode 54. We talked about 2023 and maybe how to invest. And that was Grant. Then Jay and I started talking and I don't have to look back at the chat exactly. But anyways, this all came together because of Wonderland, but I lost a lot of money in Wonderland. I put in more money um, and that was a huge lesson. And I, I'm going to stay away from anything that has a greater return than probably 5% in DeFi. I'm not going to ever put my money into it. Um, I put my money into BlockFi because that had 9% of my stable coins. That money is now all in a bankruptcy. Put my money into uh, Wonderland because that had ridiculous APY. That money's all gone. So if it doesn't have less than 5% and it's not basically off Binance or Coinbase, I don't touch it anymore because I just don't think that's just a Ponzi scheme. Um, It just needs more people to kind of pump it. And I just don't really want to be a part of it. So Brian's totally right. The DeFi DeFi and NFTs, Jay, I think you're totally right. Mm -hmm. will probably be remembered. You'll have the two scams, the Doquan and the SBF. Technically, I think what the ETH merge did, there should be like a documentary about it because I think the amount like that they had to do to like move that is incredible. Uh, And to do it seamlessly and in real time, if anyone's ever dealt with a CRM or a database, they did that, but on like a level that I still can't understand. Uh So I think those things. But what what else? Anything else that happened yeah. in twenty twenty two? All, all of the
1: hacks, right? Axie Infinity. All of the hacks.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And and that that was a bridge as well. It was like a bridge hack. And then there were a few more of those bridge hacks as well. Actually, that that reminds me of something that you and Grant were talking about in your, in your last episode. Would you say episode fifty three? episode
0: 54 on more than blockchain grant and i talk about because grant is the foremost guy on crypto real estate and stocks i don't know anyone Mm -hmm. better that knows all three so
1: yeah and see he was talking about bridging he said he uses a lot of bridges and that that reminds me of the the Axie infinity hack because that was a bridge hack they i forget what what chain they were bridging to um the Axie infinity token but yeah they, they basically hacked the bridge and and got access to everybody's tokens. So it was a lot of that stuff that was happening.
0: I remember that. I think that was like 600 million US um, roughly in that ballpark. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of money. And actually, I tagged you guys on something. As we talk about things that have happened kind of in 2022, one of the narratives that I'd like to eventually dive deeper and we could do it on not crypto bros that'd be really great is looking at solana because solana i almost bought in 2021 for six dollars i looked at it i was like this is kind of an interesting thing the devs were talking about some cool stuff the community seemed bright it then went to 230 and i didn't put any money in so that felt silly but solana has since it feels like a project that's dying i know that it was tied into the SBF and FTX debacle, because Mm -hmm. it was one of the ones that he basically pumped. um, And they owned like, I think 10 to 15% of Solana or something like they had a lot. So when they were doing well, like Solana, whatever, Solana went all the way up to 252 and has since dropped today is trading at uh, $11. So that's 90, what? 95% down. And I think it has a long way to go. I think it will go past the $6. I also bought it. Since it has had a lot of network outages, it has just like fallen apart. And then the thing that I tagged you, if you guys are, anyone's on LinkedIn, find me. I posted this and this was from CoinDesk and I tagged you and Grant, especially because I feel like we always talk about Solana because I think it is a really interesting project. I mean, there's something as you said about the community when the thing fails all the time, but people are still like trying to build on it. Mm -hmm. What was... The article I sent with you today wasn't even an article, it's just something I saw at Coindesk. And I'm sure if you search, you could find more information. But it basically said two of Solana's top NFT projects, D Gods and Utes, are migrating. D Gods is going to go to Ethereum, and uh, what's it called? Uh, Utes is going to go to Polygon. And so I don't know of another time, like, I don't know if. Here's a question for the audience, or anyone who wants to just put this into uh, Google or ChatGPT. Actually, ChatGPT wouldn't answer it because it's only up to 2021. But is there a case we've seen in the past where an Ethereum-based NFT project or community has migrated to Cardano, uh, Cardana, Cardano, excuse me, or Solana, or any of the other uh, smart contract platforms? I don't think there is.
1: No, and like, wh- why even would you? move away from ethereum if you're on ethereum let's assume that it's a project that's doing well and it's sold out there's no reason to move
0: i agree i think there's zero reason to move but it's also like when people are because i think one of the narratives in 2021 and 2022 was that there was going to be an eth killer right solana was hanging around cardano was hanging around even polka dot for a while was kind of hanging around but more mm. so solana and cardano people are, oh these are going to be the eth killers You know, and Hoskins was just waiting for ETH 2.0 and the merge from proof of work to proof of stake to kind of flub and then be like, all right, we're ready to go. When that doesn't happen, I think this whole ETH killer conversation for me, I think it's going to be left in 2022. And I think by the time the next bull run comes, I don't even consider Ethereum an altcoin anymore. And in 2017 and 2018, 2019, I did. It was Bitcoin and all the other altcoins, but now it's like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then all the other altcoins. Do you, how, am I, does that resonate, anyone, anyone listening, does that resonate with you, or do you still put Ethereum in the altcoin realm?
1: It makes sense to me. It's Bitcoin, Ethereum, then the other two. Here, here, what's Brian saying? In, in terms oh, of killers, Avalanche is superior to Solano.
0: I forgot about Avalanche, and I should, and, and I think Tristan agrees with that. Tristan I forgot agreeing, about Avalanche. Yeah. Um, in terms of ETH killers. Yeah. A- Avalanche is superior to Solana. Avalanche is one that I really, I'm really, it's on my list of, uh, of buys in 2023. I think it's, I've used it a couple of times to bridge. I played around with it. It's very, very easy, super low fees, very, very quick. Um, I'm not sure about the security because when you have low fees and it's quick, it's really hard to get security, uh really high, but, um, yeah, have you played around with Avalanche?
1: No, no, no. I, I haven't played around with it at, at all. Uh, I probably bought some Avalanche back in the day, but that was it. Is that whole ETH killer narrative still going around? Like, I know that was super popular early on in, 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 with, with, with these coins, but as more and more people have come in, is that something that, that we still think about and talk about?
0: I don't think about it, but I'd love to hear from like Tristan Brian. Uh, and other people that are in the chat because I don't think about it anymore or from George or, or Victor, if he's going to hop in, but maybe people do. I think that like Grant, if he were here, he'd probably argue that maybe Cardano has some things to offer that he doesn't. And I'm sure he'd have some really good points. Um Here, Tristan says, uh, Avalanche did a ton of cool VC slash startup work with projects all over Silicon Valley to increase chain awareness in Q3 and Q4 this year as well. Yeah, oh, I cool. think- I think Avalanche is not going anywhere, but you know, time will tell. Whoever, you know, if you can make it through any coin that makes it through 2023, and this is kind of financial guidance, not financial advice. Any coin that makes it through 2023 that's in the top 50, this time next year, you should just put whatever you can put into equally across, put a dollar into each of them and just see what happens because they're all going to have tremendous. 2024s and 2025s as we get into the having season. That's kind of my take. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I'll add something
1: on top of what you just said. So, like, and we've been saying this for a while, any coin, any project that makes it through 2023 is probably going to have um pretty decent runway going forward. But I'll also say they have to come through the year having set up and established a whole bunch of partnerships like, it's fine if you do nothing during 2023 in terms of, like, putting out new products, but we at least need to know that you've got stuff lined up for 2024, you know? And so if you're having these conversations and you got a, a partnership with, you know, with, with actual bricks and mortar companies or or new other crypto companies that are coming up or you're partnering with, with communities or, like, Polygon that, that stole away youth somehow, you know, if you've got that kind of traction going, then then I think it, it looks pretty good for you in, in 2024.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's the exact way to look for it. You don't have to be like you like essentially you don't have to see price appreciation to see project appreciation as far as market sentiment, which is I know is kind of weird. But um, Brian says the narrative is that there will be enough demand of utility for more than one or two layer one smart contract platforms to thrive. I think you're 110 percent right. I think. Ethereum, as it becomes more expensive and not just to actually buy one Ethereum, but also to actually transact, I think Ethereum will kind of turn into the more institutional grade, whereas the retail will probably sit with another project, Cardano, Avalanche, or some project that maybe is going to start up in 2023 because they're going to get, you know, $300 million off, put four or five people together and take their winnings and invest and build something up, you know, and really build kind of like Hoskinson did and build off the... You know, learn from the mistakes that have been made and kind of move forward. I don't think any new project. Oh, I gotta fix my shoe. I don't think any new project is ever gonna come out of proof of work. That's kind of something I'll say. Do you, Jay? What do you think about that? I just think of the environmental mm-hmm. concerns are so strong that in the United States, like no Fortune five hundred company is gonna touch anything because of environmental concerns, oh. other than maybe Bitcoin. How you think so I I, yes, B- I do.
1: Bitcoin is a good example but I feel like there's there's a significant portion of the population who is like anti-climate like wow we don't, we don't care like we're, we're just gonna go with it because it's gas guzzling because you know it it, it hackens back to the old times kind of deal I, I I don't know if that means that all of the companies are gonna Going that direction, but I think there'll be some people who are like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not for proof of stake because of of the fact that it, it's so green and friendly." You think so? Some people. My- least, it might not be the majority, but I, I think it'll be significant.
0: Yeah, I think you're. I think you're totally right. I mean, there's enough. I I made this joke the other day on Twitter, but I was like, you know, Siri, show me a Venn diagram between. Bitcoin maxis. And what was the other one? I I forget exactly, but there are a lot of people that are Bitcoin maxis that don't believe anything the government says, even Mm -hmm. if the government tells them something they know to be true because the government says that they won't do it. And because a lot of the regulation, especially in the United States, and I would say in Europe is really top down as far as the, the uh, climate is concerned. I do consider, I do think that's going to continue to be something, but the thing for me is like, I'm hyper sensitive and worried about the climate Um, personally and professionally. It's something I'm kind of invested in. And then at the same time, though, for me, the issue with proof of stake is the security long-term proof of work. And the entire global network of computers is really what keeps the blockchain secure. and so we're going to see how long-term that plays out. You know, we kind of have like a tortoise in the hare situation with, uh, Ethan Bitcoin. And I think it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, Tristan says on that flip side though, maybe you see shell or what's that? I
1: don't know.
0: I can't. Oh, 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 maybe you see shell or slumber uh, seed, Fund a proof of work concept to keep their market afloat in the transition to electric uh, vehicle generation. I, I think that that is totally possible. I, you know, I'm pretty sure and someone could fact check this. but Pretty sure I saw that Exxon is starting to take some of their, uh, you know, some of their burn off essentially and put it towards Bitcoin mining because they're like, oh, we have all this energy. We need to put it somewhere. You know, let's not use it. Really?
1: Is that a thing?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'd have to look into that. But I mean, the 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 big oil realizes that exactly what Tristan said, as they make this $100 trillion in global asset shift from fossil fuels to electric, there's going to be moments where they're not going to be the most efficient. And so Bitcoin offers them the ability to kind of be able to put that energy towards something where it can still have some some type of ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, even in a down market, it's better to make something than nothing. Uh, so I I'm really interested. I do think the climate is going to be a a continued conversation when we talk about if something should be proof of stake or proof of work or, you know, whether a company should be investing in it. And I know with Mercy Corps, I'm very obviously pro Bitcoin. I think it's good for humanity long term. I know right now it's using more energy than it should, but I don't think we've ever had a sector ever in human history like Bitcoin where there's such an incentive driven by profit to adopt renewable and greener sources of energy that drive down the cost to produce. Um, There's really no other sector. And, you know, Elon came out in March of 2021 and this is where it went up to the top. And then it kind of tanked because he said, Oh yeah, Tesla is no longer going to accept Bitcoin. He accepted it for like six weeks and then he said he couldn't do it because of the ESG concerns. And that goes back to the environment. So I do think it's very something that's top of mind for, companies as they all jockey in the public sector to kind of have their good esg and their csr and kind of look like boy scouts or girl scouts yeah. or whatever but i do Ooh. think individuals are very much like whatever they're just kind of probably go after the profit
1: you made me think of something do you remember this from like a week or two ago where the governor of florida pulled their their balance from is it blackrock who was it? it was blackrock right might have been it Might have been, but they, they pull it from a major investment bank, I think two billion dollars, pull it from a major investment bank because of those ESG concerns. And he's basically like, Yeah, the all of these investment banks focusing on ESG is, is causing us to lose money. If if we were invested in oil, we, you know, we would have doubled our, our money this year, but because everybody's focusing on ESG, we, we took a hit. And, and he's like, Yeah, we're not doing this anymore.
0: Wow. I had not heard that, and that looks like it was uh, DeSantis, right? Yeah. Yeah, it says Open Florida will pull $2 billion. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, So says Florida will pull, and now it's Bloomberg going to make me sign up. Florida will pull $2 billion worth of state assets managed by BlackRock, accelerating Republicans' fight with the world's largest money over its ESG investing practices. And yeah, it's not just Florida. Were-
1: there were a few other conservative-leaning states that did the same thing. Florida was just the biggest one.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, Republicans, vast majority of Republicans argue about climate change. Vast majority of Republicans don't like the social aspect of ESG. Uh, And vast majority of Republicans don't like the G or the governance. Uh, They want more of a dictatorship rather than anything that looks like a democracy. So that's not surprising. And I do think, like you said, I think it's actually going to continue that, you know, I'm more of a liberal leaning person. So I wouldn't have considered that there were people out there who are like, no, because proof of stake is maybe going because, you know, maybe Ethereum did that because the environmental concerns, we should go proof of work or something like that. So I think you're totally right. And, you know, uh, Republicans are a very, very powerful community uh, on the globe, whether people want to believe that or not, because they, you know, have essentially half the voting block in the United States. So um, it, does, that, d- does that influence the way you look at crypto as far as like its environmental impact?
1: No, I I, that's not something that I think about at all. But then I I don't I didn't have sort of the the indoctrination, I guess, that would make me think about the environment in that way. Like I know, you know, there were like especially in North America, there were all of these like Greenpeace initiatives and matches and all of this stuff. Like it it was definitely something that came up that you would have been introduced to culturally as being Mm -hmm. something that you need to do and that that's just not the culture that I grew up in. So it's not something that I, I put a lot of thought into. But I like this statement from from Tristan, and I might be switching the topic a little bit, but he's talking about uh, magnets and, and uh, using magnets to, to generate power. And it made me think of, you know, like we talk about crypto a lot, but there's like a lot of like crypto adjacent stuff that happened this year as well. So like I'm thinking of all of the stuff around AI and, and chat GPT. We talked about that last week. You had a pretty cool post about trying to do um trying to get chat GPT to give you a uh, quote from Donald Trump versus one from Barack Obama and it refused to do the Donald Trump but then there's like all that cool <laughs> stuff like I don't know if you heard recently there were the scientists who had this brick breakthrough in um uh, fission power yeah
0: you know, I, I, so,
1: I saw that so that and it, and you know like we we, we there's, there's some other pretty cool people like the 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 project that Tristan and, and, and his group are, are working on um, in terms of Li-Fi. So there are all these like Web3 adjacent technologies that are taking off. Is there anyone that stands out to you?
0: Wait, uh, just for just clarification, is Tristan working with Roger?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tristan is the marketing, marketing.
0: Oh, my God. Product. Okay, so that's – because I keep seeing Tristan. I'm like, okay, yes, we were on a call super briefly uh, talking about that. And I do think like Li-Fi – I think Li Fi will play a part in residential homes within the next five to six years. I think there's like a couple of, I think it will, and I think Roger would disagree with me, uh, but I do think it's going to be a mix of both uh, in uh, Wi Fi and Li Fi to get your optimum. Um, kind of service. That's what I'm thinking, but I'm also, you know, I still have a lot to learn with Li-Fi. And if anyone's watching, please check out, you know, Roger Williams and Tristan because what they're doing with Li-Fi is a big deal. I actually wonder George with Li-Fi, what's up?
1: George likes it too. He,
0: he, George he, likes it too. Yeah, I think it'll be commercial use in the next one to five years. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, one to five years, and then maybe residential will come a little bit after that. You know, residential okay. and retail normally lag behind industrial and commercial use. I am thinking, however, that crypto, as you said, you know, there's many things that are tied to it. And AI is one of those. And like, I'm going to continue to focus on blockchain and NFTs and crypto. This is where I am personally, professionally. This is where I am financially. But I will say AI is cool. And I was messing around with Chat GPT yesterday. And I just put out a new podcast that I created from ChatGPT, essentially, uh, on more than blockchain. Um Bitcoin and Energy, Brian says, it's the opposite of what you think. And I'm going to look at this, Brian, eagerly because, um, oh, yeah, this is Jordan Peterson. So I can't seem to open this for some reason, but there's been a lot of really cool conversations. And I think this is probably one of those conversations. And Jordan Peterson talks about it. Uh, yeah, he talks about it with Syphedian. And so this is one of those conversations where they were talking. And I'm pretty sure this is the one where they were talking about how for the first time ever, you can kind of export energy anywhere. And 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 the idea of this is that, you know, there are some places where there is oil or energy to be found in the planet. But in order to build the pipelines or get the ships to get out there, you know, to, to fill up the oil and bring it back, it almost becomes not worth it. You're going to spend so much in the transportation of that it's not worth the, you know, the production of, if that makes sense. And, and they talk about how, well, the second you can do this and you can just mine Bitcoin with the energy, well, you can send that Bitcoin anywhere. So essentially, you can kind of use energy anywhere on the planet to create ROI, which is a way that we've never really thought about oil. Production oh, that's before. interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I believe I'm sure, pretty sure it's part of this com- this conversation. And for anybody interested, in another podcast, "What Bitcoin Did" with Peter McCormick is a great uh, podcast. I listen to that every once in a while just because he has some very interesting guests that talk about. The ways that people are using Bitcoin around the world. Um, so George Pate has a question of the year, and I haven't read it fully, but I'm gonna read it now. It says, "The big question of the year: Who be mining though?
1: Who's doing the mining? I, that that <laughs> is a good question because China did ban mining, right? We heard that Japan is about to about face unstable coins, but China 100% banned mining. So all those big Chinese miners, they they left. Some went to Russia, some went to California. Some, no, I'm sorry, some went to Texas. So it, it's kind. Of, I, I don't know who's doing the most mining anymore. Do you have any idea of what's happening on that site?
0: You know, I really don't. Uh, I know a lot of it's moved to Texas and I know that with the freeze we've had and we're still kind of like in a storm in North America, um, Texas has said, hey, let's turn off the uh, let's turn off the the mining for a second. Uh, because they wanted to make sure that basically residents and you know industry had power. Um, I'm not really sure. So if anyone has in- information, you should be doing the mining. You know what, George, I've looked into that. And I was mining Ethereum for a year and a half, uh, and that went really well. Um, but as far as Bitcoin mining, I've actually been considering taking some money and going up to Vermont where the energy is cheaper. Uh, and it's also cold there throughout the year. So like, you don't have to worry about the things overheating. I don't know how they're mining in Texas because we had – Eight little rigs, eight little XD, uh, you know, cards, memory cards set up, which is nothing compared to these massive ones, which have, you know, thousands or hundreds. And that thing created so much heat. Um, so I don't know. So half the mining energy, I swear, was just trying to keep the rigs from not overheating and burning out. So. I don't know how they're doing it in Texas. Like, I don't know if they've dug down like 20 feet into the earth so it's cooler, but I don't know how they're doing that. Texas does have extremely cheap energy. They have um, energy down there for $0.06 a kilowatt. Up here in Massachusetts, Brian, it's $0.22 to give you an idea.
1: Brian is saying Um, it's all going to be about renewable energy resources coming up. Um, again, I'm guessing that's referring to, to the mining costs. So high hydro, solar. But then th- th- there's some other cool applications too, right? Um, so geothermal, uh, high, hydrogen is the one that we're using for cars. That may not be very popular for cars, but maybe we might be able to use it for for crypto. Mm. Nuclear, not a lot of people building new nuclear power stations and stuff, but can you imagine if there's like a crypto miner who's like, you know what? I'm just going to build my own station, my own uh, power
0: station, you <laughs> know, screw everybody off the grid. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm thinking. If I take, you know, any of this and basically make a business plan and get some investors. But I think if you are a Bitcoin maxi, let's just look at Bitcoin because I think it's like the easiest thing to wrap your head around. And it's one of the only proof of works that you'd probably want to mine that's quasi profitable. Right now, it's not profitable to mine Bitcoin. So you're going to be picking up coins and paying more than what they're worth. Um, it's right on the cusp. I think at like 16, 5, 16, it starts to get crazy with the cost of electricity. Um, George, I'm going to get to your comment here, but basically I, you know, I'm kind of running through, you know, could, could I get a million dollars to create uh, a mining setup somewhere in Vermont and have some solar power going, see if there's a way to create some geothermal, etc. but do it in a way that's going to be, you know, take into account the local environment. Can I but I, I i don't know anyways i'm very interested in that if anyone wants to talk further george why don't you go ahead and reach out dm me on on linkedin please i think we're, we're connected because george said i'd love to do a talk more on mining i have a pretty cool webinar about building out sustainable and profitable data centers i have contractors at rockdale and comanche at the texas mines um and he says that's literally how it happens jay i just got back from thailand and saw a solar methane digester crypto mine that is completely off grid george reach out to me, please. Nice. I want to highlight cool. this on more than blockchain. And I also think that in the new year, not crypto bros, we're going to bring uh, guests back on more often. So this would be also cool too. Um, Brian
1: methane. Where, where does methane come from? Methane is cows, is cows. Right? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that
0: is cool. So if I you, like that. You have a lot of cattle. Yeah. You could be yeah. capturing some of that. Um, the point is that you can decentralize energy production and monetize it via Bitcoin mining at source, totally off-grid. I, exactly, Brian. Like I heard Saifedean explain that and Jordan Peterson was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I think it was hard for him to understand because for so long, the way that we create energy in the world is like, you have to be around it, you know? Uh, and this Bitcoin totally just changes. It flips the narrative. And I think that that's just like so crazy. Um, So, Jay, I think you're spot on. That Like there's all these other things. There's machine learning, there's AI, there's advances in, in, you know, renewable energy. They all play around crypto and they play around blockchain. And I think they're all going to kind of like fit in really nicely. Um, Have you had a chance to. Oh, yeah. Also, the Siberian tundra as it thaws if you have Russian relatives. Exactly. Nice. Nice. Um, (laughs) Jay, have you had a chance to play around with chat GPT? No, I haven't. I see everyone doing it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I feel left out. I want to, I want to get involved. <laughs> I, cause I had signed up and you can go to openai think. I think.io and you can just sign up. They just are going to verify, I think with a phone number and an email and that's it. And you can just start playing around. Um, but one of the things that I had signed up originally, cause I wanted to get their DALL-E, the D a L L dash E. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get that to make like, uh, AI generated art. And I was still on that waiting list and I haven't heard anything, but uh open ai is crazy and there's a lot of good information out there i think right now it's for them to do each query it's like very very expensive so i don't think chat gpt like out as it is now free to the public where you can just go play around with it i don't think it's going to be available in three months Uh, i just think it's costing them too much money is what i've heard do you think they're going
1: to tokenize it i feel like a lot
0: of that kind of software
1: like Mm. ChatGPT and the original GPT, GPT GPT-3, these are like what would have 10 years ago been open source pieces of software like JavaScript and and the others. But the the problem with open source software is that no one is paying for the upkeep. Lots of the people who provide the maintenance are for the most part volunteers. And so that's why Mm. you you continue to have these flaws in these open source pieces of software that, that... it end up affecting the entire world. But if you have a software like GPT-3, if you go ahead and tokenize it and and sell ownership to other people, now you've got income that's coming in and you can pay developers to make sure that it, is, it remains a top-of-the-line product. So do, do you think tokenization is something that eventually infiltrates open source?
0: Yeah, you know what? I first want to say shout-out to Victor. Happy Victor holidays. Victor. Victor, Feliz Navidad. Um, I think 100%. And BlackRock president CEO, I, I forget some the BlackRock guy. I, I should know his name. That sounds silly of me to say the bra- the BlackRock guy, because um, he's like in charge of ten trillion dollars or something. He recently came out and was like, "Look, tokenization is the future," and that kind of made its you know way around the Twitter sphere and LinkedIn and and other places. So I do think tokenization is going to play a huge role in the next ten years around. Communities, it's the new GoFundMe. It's the new, if you believe in something, do it. Um, You know, like we've all used Wikipedia. If you were listening to this, you probably use Wikipedia once or twice. Mm -hmm. But when Wikipedia has that thing up and it's like, hey, give me a dollar, I've never paid. Never. But if it said, buy an NFT for $100, I might be like, you know what? Let's do it.
1: Larry Fink, that's um, him.
0: It's just, yeah, Larry, the Larry Fink. So, Jay, I totally believe. So, break me down, how would you tokenize ChatGPT? Uh, to make it more of a sustainable project rather than one that's maybe, as you're saying, like other projects is kind of run more on volunteer basis. And, you know, working with volunteers is great, but most things that are volunteer driven, somebody in the supply chain, in the value chain there is getting paid. Um, As someone who's worked in international development forever and everyone's volunteers, there's people making money. So uh, it's hard for something free to last forever.
1: Yeah, and so like this is like big picture, and so I'm thinking I think maybe outside of what Chat GPT is right now, but if you could imagine that Chat GPT had a token, and that token allowed for you to use the service, like you buy one token, you get, I don't know, one result back or something like mm. that, and there's like a whole there's software built up around it so that if you were a company, you could license the software, but you still had to end up using the token. Like your users needed to buy the token in order to use it. They could buy the token from wherever they want. But if if you're constantly selling that token as the, the chat GPT developers to get that allows for people to to use the the engine, then you're you're getting money that's coming in. Hopefully, you know, it's at a low enough rate where it's, it's advantageous to companies and individuals. But now you're actually getting paid for, for the service that you're providing and you can afford to hire developers and have a, a core team that's consistently updating this thing as you go along. And without it necessarily needing to be like for profit, you, know, you need it to be like a massive company. It'll be cool if like, if that's what Ethereum did. The Ethereum Foundation, I don't actually know how they pay themselves. So-
0: I'm sure that they pay themselves. I mean, they make millions monthly, if not daily, with just fees from the network. So they just turn that ETH into whatever they need to pay their bills or whatever. You know, um, That's a cool ideas coming out of the chat. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get to George's idea in a second, but I want to talk, you know, I think Victor said 100%, 100%, 100% other platforms do it that way. Victor also says, what's wrong with, what's wrong with free for the people? Um, <laughs> Victor, I love that but I just don't think when you get to the bottom of anything, anything's free for the people. There are very few things on the internet that are free and that are sustained free. Um, So it's kind of like, but you know, maybe Wikipedia is an example, but there's somebody in Wikipedia that's getting paid is my point Uh, to keep Wikipedia up is just really difficult. Um, But Jay, for your chat GPT token, how much would you pay as an individual to query to, to ask a question on chat GBT. like what's your low threshold right now is it a cent is it five I, cents I,
1: I think it would have to be something like a cent and over time it'll have to go down into like micro payments like micro cents right just because it will be happening so quickly
0: that's interesting because i'm okay so would would the tokens be like I have a couple questions here would the tokens be like a limited amount or would there be an unlimited supply kind of like stable coins where it's yeah. just going to be a stable amount? I think it – let me just interject. I think it has to be a stable amount for it to oh. actually thrive.
1: You mean it has to be a fixed
0: amount? Right? No, no. I think it has to be – sorry. Sorry. I shouldn't say stable amount. I think it has to be a stable price with okay. an unlimited amount similar to the yes. way stable coins work. Yes. Um, I don't think it's a thing where you can say there's a million of them because then BlackRock's going to buy 950,000 of them. Uh, and say, now we are the only ones that can access chat GPT. And I think the idea of chat GPT or what open AI is doing is sharing the most information and giving people the most tools to access AI possible. So I think that'd be antithetical. So I think it would be something where it's like, like you said, a cent, and then eventually maybe gets driven down to one tenth of a cent. Um, but where you would, you know, it's kind of like you'd load up a calling card, um, you would have your wallet and you would essentially just buy a bunch of tokens. I buy a hundred tokens so I can ask a hundred queries, you know, something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I, like, to, to answer that question about what, what Victor was saying, like what's wrong with free. I mean, free is great. Like, you know, it's great if you can get access to some service and you don't have to pay for it. You know, the the, the thing about free is that if no one is paying for it, then it may not be maintained at that the the level and the quality that it should be like the example I use is the log 4j vulnerability that happened I think it's last year but log 4j is like this javascript thing that you know the entire world woke up woke up to and found out that there was this huge vulnerability that basically allowed for anyone to hack into your systems and (laughs) then just like do whatever they want It, it affected I, I, I don't want to exaggerate, but like over 60% of computers on the internet, you know? And so- I remember this. It was insane. It was, it was, it was really bad. And, and this is what happens when you when you don't have a ton of, uh, you don't have people who are being paid to, to make sure that things are maintained and built correctly.
0: That's a very good example. And I will need to dive deeper into that. So if you have any links, send it over. I remember when it happened, but it seemed like insignificant. Um, but I do remember that that affected so many parts of our of our digital world. Um, Brian says the banks seem quite happy with Linux. But bri- Brian is
1: right. Like they, they definitely, I think like that's fact a, a super true. good example. That's very <laughs> yeah. nice. Uh, like Victor, the fact that it's
0: yeah, Victor pounds them up. And then Victor says, Brave browser pays me to use it. So exactly. I do think the future is getting paid to use things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I think. I don't know. A lot of the tokenomics of the 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 play to earn that I've seen NFT and DeFi situations or games or whatever, it never really works out. So yeah. long term, I'm interested to see what happens.
1: Play to earn is a scam, dude. Play, play to earn is a scam. not that the games are scams, but the concept of it, you know, it's it's very much a pyramid scheme where the money just comes from the new people who are coming in. Right? They they're not necessarily creating any unique value for which they can then inject into the game all of the value comes from new people who come in and buy existing tokens or, or repurchase from somebody who else who's already there.
0: Right that, and that's where you know is Infinity's kind of God let me let me look at their prices. If you want to shout out some other there's some good comments there what did, what did Tristan say there? Tristan
1: says uh, similar things are possible now with Google docking docking i don't know now too and that's on the opposite side what's docking i don't know what this is do you know what yeah this tristan
0: is? feel free to uh, explain that a little bit further um victor rivera yes mate great to see you yeah i i i think in crypto though or in blockchain or in ai with these things that actually need like energy to like keep them sustained I think it's really, really difficult uh, long-term to keep them free. Um, But I'm also open to being exceedingly wrong and it'd be great if there were free stuff. So Axie Infinity was once at $158 and now is down to $6. So that's more than 95% in the bucket. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, that's how most altcoins are. We just talked about Solana and everything else. But I really think that, you know, some of these games are just not going to be around, but we'll see. Uh, Tristan says remote access through Google to hundreds of millions of webcams across the world. Ah, dorking just coming to light over the past couple of weeks. Ooh, Tristan, you want to share how it came to light, why it came to light and who brought it to light? Um, it
1: reminds me of, I, so I, I went to Israel a couple of years ago on this mm. like mission to Israel, like a cybersecurity mission. One mm-hmm. of the things that they showed us was this, was that, you know, there's so many, you know, like you you buy a router, like you buy an internet router. So many people Mm -hmm. buy these things and don't change the default passwords. And there are bots online whose job is to just ping routers to see if they still have their default passwords. And then there are websites that are dedicated to showing you this information. And so you can go in and just basically pick a location and find all of the routers that still have their default information. So schools, hospitals, people's homes, that you can get into the router, you can access all of their internet information, you can cut them off of the internet if you want, you can, uh, you know, grab all of their passwords and all, all that stuff that they're using. George, George is loving the conversation.
0: George, yeah, George says, Jay, you're talking to my heart. Yeah, I remember years ago I was living in Guatemala and we would – this is in 2015, which seems like forever ago. And we would go into anywhere and no one ever changed their passwords. Mm-hmm. They would just keep the password. And so once you picked up on, you're like, all right, it's Verizon. I'm going to use us telcos, but you're like, actually the telcos, there are at Tigo and Claro. And so they're like, so Tigo or Clara. Okay. It's Tigo. So we know the first six are this, and then we have to play with two or three numbers until we hit. <laughs> and you could do that anywhere. Cause no one changed, uh, yeah. In certain places, there was just like very low, and this is 2015 too. So, um, just as it is now in many parts of the world, honestly, including like the United States, people just don't change their routers. The only thing they change is the network name. And they think that that makes it a unique thing. Um, the password here at the house I'm at here is deep on uh, Wi Fi because we're highly aware we want to keep our network safe. Uh, <laughs> it's not easy. Even I mess up putting it in because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that is definitely something to to keep in mind. Um, 2023, Jay, it is upon us. What are the things you're most excited for in crypto or just in general?
1: Hmm. Excited for? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited for things to quiet down. The the last
0: <laughs> man, you sound months. like a boomer. It's, it's not too like that, busy yo.
1: Like th- think of all all of the terrible things that have happened. So okay, uh, okay. Celsius, three hours um uh Terra Luna there was there was somebody else uh who else was it besides three hours someone else crashed socios anyway I'm, I'm I'm forgetting them and then you know uh FTX and and, and SBF now there's mm-hmm. all of that turmoil that was happening at the end of 2022 I kind of just wanted to to be quiet for a little while for you know for people to just build silently nobody else to go to jail like it would be great if, if people stop calling tell? out SBF. i am started feeling bad for him. Like, you see him, them talking about him on the news and reporters are saying, like, yeah, he had, you know, how much did he have? He had, like, $16 billion last month. Now he's moved back in with his parents. Like, come on. Do you, that That's not necessary to say. Like, you the guy home, yo. Know?
0: Yeah, Jay. Voyager, I, that's I, what
1: it is. Good, good call, And It's Voyager.
0: Voyager, Three Arrows Capital, BlockFi, a lot have gone up in smoke. Um, I, I agree, and I just dropped the link in there if anyone's seen that on LinkedIn. That's to my latest Spotify where I use ChatGPT to help me talk about New Year's resolutions. And before I did that episode, I was actually going to talk about the crazy things that happened in crypto in 2022, but I decided not to. And I was like, no, it's super triggering. A lot of people's portfolios are down 90 to 95%, if not more, depending upon when they got in. And it seems like it's a rough time to talk about crypto. But I think it's finding these ancillary conversations like the ones we found today about ESG, CSR, different ways of Bitcoin mining, um, some of the AI stuff, you know, looking at maybe the bad things that happened to NFTs, the good things that could happen. Is there still gonna be the ETH killer conversation? I think there's still a lot of good conversations to be had. And From what I've seen, there's still a lot of movement. A lot of people are building. In the top 50 projects, there's stuff happening. There's news every day if you're just like keeping a a close eye. Um, And so 2023, you're looking for things to hopefully cool down. You don't want more people going to jail. Uh, Is there anything that you really want to happen? like other than people not going to jail or things to cool down? Like what's something that you're maybe looking forward to happening? Um, To give you an example, I'm looking forward to the sharding because if ETH can pull that off, I think things are going to be different for the quote ETH killer community. Um, But other than that, I'm not, you know.
1: I was going to say the same thing. That's the next major thing on the horizon for the community that's like planned. Anything else that happens between now and then, you know, like it's just going to be a surprise. But hopefully we can figure out shotting and uh it can sort of get implemented into the community a bit more deeper
0: yeah i'm interested to see how that goes and then i what i what i'm trying to do is study in 2023 make partnerships with more than blockchain hopefully more make more partnerships with not crypto bros and with mercy core hopefully drive people to donate some crypto to help good causes around the world and I'm also going to be taking time in 2023 to really start learning. And I got this book. I'll shout this book out. I haven't even started but it's called Mastering Bitcoin. Um, It's kind of more of a technical look at Bitcoin. I've looked at this. It looks like an IT book. It
1: looks like a textbook.
0: It's a a total IT book. Okay. Um, And it like breaks down. Like when we find something that's going to be like IT-ish. Yeah, here you go. Right. Transactions. Oh, it's like a coding book? yeah it's gonna get right down into the bitcoin code and i really want to understand it because as someone who's you know gonna make that a larger part of my portfolio it's time that i like understand so this is talking about like the keys and you know the private keys and and all that stuff so this was recommended highly um by chamath palpatia and another guy he he uh, creates content with. And I was like, okay, I, you know, these guys are billionaires and they're deep into crypto and they've been in crypto way longer than I have. So it's by Andreas M, uh, and it's called mastering Bitcoin. Yes.
1: Go. You know what? That's crazy. That's crazy that you said that. Cause I was yeah. in my mind, racking my brain, trying to remember his name, Andreas because he's one of the first people to ever put out, um, like course material about, around coding for blockchain. So yeah exactly. 100% that that he's one of the greats 100% that's a great book okay cool
0: he he's one of the greats and uh jay if i finish it and and you want to read it, i'll send it up to toronto for sure if we meet up um i'm really just trying to learn i feel like there's a lot of things i still don't understand technically and i'd like to learn more i get the societal implications i see the first world uh you know the real world i should say use cases for everything um i can see how they're going to be plugged in i'm seeing some different angles but i want to strengthen up my technical ability uh because i just think that it's not a bad thing you know um Victor says, you think 2023 Binance will fall or Coinbase? Ooh, so we talked about this in the last episode, I think. I'm really worried about, okay, I'll just tell you what I'm doing, Victor. I'm taking, I have cash on Binance that sits there for buys, um, but I'm taking it off. I'm just getting it all off Binance. I'm The moves they've been making recently don't make me feel comfortable. And they're just, yeah. So I'll just tell you I'm taking money off Binance. I've taken almost all my crypto off Binance and Coinbase. I think Coinbase... Will last longer than Binance just because it's yes. a smaller operation. Yes. Um, and I think because they're public facing, they have to quarterly show the world this is what they have and this is what they don't have. Wow. Binance still could be smoke and mirrors. Um, 2023 play, not crypto rose branded cold storage devices. 110%. We should definitely work with Ledger to do that, That's but cool. have like really broy and not broy things uh <laughs> on so cool. the uh ledger devices.
1: That uh, is. that is where did we say we didn't figure it out? I think in Texas he's in or like Texas. Gulf I think he had to drive
0: to Texas. I can yeah. look at the chat, but I think he had to drive to Texas. Um, so he's not here. And and uh, what does Victor say? 2020 will be privacy coin year, not financial advice. I think he's right. And he said this in the so last too. episode. And Victor, yeah. I don't know if we shouted you out, but he was saying uh, Monero. Mm-hmm. Monero is also one of the only coins right now, too, if you're into mining, that is quasi close to good ROI, if anything. So- oh. I I think Monero and there was another one that I was getting buying back in 2017, but I think I let go of fairly quickly. um, That was all about privacy. I do think privacy is going to be front and center uh, as regulation comes and people want to continue to, you know, move money around the world, right? Like the new Panama or the new Bahamas or the new Swiss, a bank account could be having a couple million on the low in Monero, you know, in a ledger that you know the code for and no one else does. Like show me what's more off grid than that. So um yeah. Jay, we're we're almost at time. Do you want to do some quick shout outs as we close out 2022? Yeah, man. Shout out to to you and Grant, man. I listened to that last
1: episode, episode would you say 54? The, the yeah. one where, when Grant talks about his his portfolio and how it's distributed. That was that was a super cool conversation. I like that he go he went into the conversations that he was having with Melissa and in you know how they were planning to to use those funds and then when when the time came he he sort of talked through what was some of the apprehensions that they had and then how how they were able to move forward but then that story about Niantic and Nintendo that is crazy it's crazy if if you're thinking about getting into investing for the first time like listen to Grant's story about Niantic and and Nintendo and how he was able to make money off of that. That that's exactly how you should invest.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and thanks for shouting that out. And I just shared that link as well. Um, that's episode 54 from more than blockchain. Um, I had grant on and we were just looking at 2023 and investing, you know, between real estate stocks and crypto, what you should do. And, uh, Please check that out. I want to shout out you and Grant as well. We've now done what? This is episode 42, which is kind of crazy. We still never met. Uh, We're still going strong. And in the new year, I think we're going to bring some different things to content. We're excited to do that. Uh, We normally would be recording on this Saturday, but we're not because it's going to be New Year's Eve. So we'll see everyone on the following Tuesday, which will be in the new year, 2023. Um, And as Victor says, Feliz Año, amazing year, guys. Congratulations. So thank you, everyone who's been with us. And we will see everyone in the uh, new year. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn at NotCryptoBros. And check out NotCryptoBros.xyz too as well if you want to check out our website. So thanks everyone.
1: See you in 2023?
0: 2023.